Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, through the month of October, we kind of journeyed through uh, what I called uh, a transformed series. We looked at the lives of some biblical characters that um, were transformed by the work of God. Um, and, and now we break into November and we really only have, we have three Sundays left in the church calendar year. So if you're familiar with the church calendar, uh, it, it ends with Christ the King Sunday. And this year that falls, well, every year it falls on the, the Sunday before Advent begins. And this this year, that's November 21st. So uh, including today, we only have three Sundays left here in year B, which is crazy, which means Christmas is on the way. This is just public service announcement. I'm warning you, it's on the way. November 28th, we start Advent um, of the next church calendar year in year C. Um, so you're, you're, you're warned. Um, but as we finish out this year, uh, I'm, I want to stay with the lectionary text for, for the remaining three weeks that we have, and we're going to be pulling from the Old Testament texts that we find in the lectionary cycle um, just to, to finish out our year this year. Um, today we're reading from the book of Ruth, um, and so if you have your Bible with you, and, and we'll open it to Ruth chapter 3, um, the, the lectionary portion of text for this week um, pulls an excerpt from Ruth 3 and an excerpt from uh, Ruth chapter 4, um, so if you uh, can turn there, uh, that would be great. Um, I'm going to invite you, out of uh, those who are willing and able, to, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, to stand um, as we read passages, we'll be reading Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then skip forward to chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. A reading from the book of Ruth. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I seek security for you so that things might go well for you? Now isn't Boaz, whose young women you were with, our relative? Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. You should bathe, put on some perfume, wear nice clothes, and then go down to the threshing floor. Don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Ruth replied to her, I'll do everything you are telling me. And skipping forward to Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. It says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He was intimate with her. The Lord let her become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, may the Lord be blessed who today hasn't left you without a redeemer. May his name be proclaimed in Israel. He will restore your life and sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you has given birth to him. She's better for you than seven sons. Naomi took the child and held him him to her breast and she became 
his guardian, the neighborhood women gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He became Jesse's father and David's grandfather. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, the story today invites us kind of midstream into this story of Ruth. Um, and, and each week when we, when we do, uh, we put our services together, we try to find connections. We try to find connections for um, the, the responsive readings we do, for the scripture that's read. Um, and today, uh, as uh, Taylor came and read from, from Mark chapter 12, there was the story of the, the widow who came uh, to drop her two nearly worthless coins into the treasury uh, there. And Jesus takes notice and, and Jesus says, this woman has given more. Because, because all those that had been giving all this, this wealthy sums, the, the, the common English calls it spare change. They had given out their spare change. It didn't matter much what they put in. Even the large sums didn't really make a dent, didn't really amount to much in their wealth. And for this widow, she gave everything she had. And Jesus said, she's the one who had been faithful. She is the one who had given more. She is the one who had sacrificed. Well, we find in Ruth a story of one who had very little. The story of Ruth really is a story of, of a family um, and if we had been following the lectionary text last week, the reading was from Ruth chapter 1 and kind of introduces this story for us. Um, Ruth is kind of a difficult story. I, I put Ruth in, in the category of, of Esther to some degree. We talked about Esther a few weeks ago. She was one of the transformation stories that we talked about. Um, but Ruth is a difficult story. There's not much of God in the whole four chapters of Ruth. God doesn't show up an awful lot. And most of the time that God shows up, it says, you know, may the Lord bless you. It's kind of this spoken blessing over people. And and that's really the prominent place where God shows up. Uh, And this widow who was was, uh, experiencing famine had left Israel um, or this, this woman had, had left Israel with her family. She took her husband, her husband and wife went and they took their two sons and they left and went to the, the land of Moab. Um, and in, it was in Moab that these two sons took uh, wives into their homes. They got married. They found the love of their lives and they said, we want to spend our life with each other. I don't know how it really happened or what they really said. Uh, that's not really in the, in the narrative. But, but they, take, they take wives down in the land of Moab, right? Um, and as course would have it, Naomi, her husband dies. And, and their two sons, they both die as well. And so Naomi is left with Ruth and Orpah as three widows in the land of Moab with no means. And and Naomi makes this decision, I'm going to go back to the land of my ancestry. I'm going to head back to Israel. I'm not going to stay here anymore. I need to go find my people. And and these two daughter-in-laws, widow daughter-in-laws, say, well, we'll go with you. We'll travel with you. And, and 
<laughs> Naomi was like, you don't, you don't have to do that. And, and tries to talk them out of it. And, and one of the widows says, okay, Orpah says, okay, I'll go. I'll, I'll head back to, I'll stay here in Moab with my people. But Ruth, um, Ruth determines that she will stay with her mother-in-law and, and stay by her side. Um, and in chapter 1, verse 16, she makes this classic statement, probably one that maybe you've heard before. She says, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will become my God, your God, my God. A beautiful statement made in Ruth chapter 1. And while this is beautiful, well, it pulls on our heartstrings and you think, oh, what a, what a faithful daughter. Can you imagine being that faithful to this mother-in-law? It's really quite inconvenient. <laughs> it's really kind of, kind of a, a sad place for these two women to be. Naomi and Ruth roll back into town. An old lady that, that maybe few probably remember and an, and an immigrant, a foreigner, an out-of-towner. They're kind of in a predicament. Chapter 2 talks about how much of a predicament that they, they are in, that they go to the, to the harvest fields to collect grain, the leftovers from those who were officially there gathering grain. And it's in chapter 2 that there's this first encounter with a man named Boaz that seems to go pretty well between him and Ruth, who had been sent to go gather grain. But don't forget where she was. She was on the outskirts of the field. She was begging for sustenance. She was trying to find food for herself and for her mother-in-law, who were destitute, who had no family who had no men to, to earn or protect, earn for or protect them in a very patriarchal society. She was there out of desperation. Have you been in that place? I, I don't know if you've ever been in that place. Some of us may have been in that place, rummaging for food, wondering where the next meal is going to come from. A place of desperation. You look at the bank account and the number has a few too few digits, <laughs> right? Not enough zeros at the end of that number. The money is gone and the rent is coming due. The credit card bill is sitting there on the counter. And you're thinking, how did we let it get that far? I suspect some of us may have been there. I suspect some of us have, have walked that part of that, our journey in our lives wondering, how do we make it? I suspect some of us may have not experienced that in our lives. I, I, I think that for some of us it might be a little hard to imagine, a little hard to place ourselves in the, in the place that Ruth and Naomi found themselves we have what we need or we can get there. Um, but it's important in this story that we see Ruth and Naomi where they are. Not only are Ruth and Naomi there, but Naomi has another layer of this. And we, we see this in the, in the start of the reading that we, that we read this morning. Naomi feels the weight of caring for Ruth. 
Ruth is the one who chose to follow after her mother-in-law. Ruth is the one who said, I will go. Where do you go? I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will become my people. And your God, my God. Ruth had made the choice and Naomi feels that weight. The weight of responsibility, the weight of parenthood can be significant. It is profound. Naomi feels for Ruth this responsibility, this profound heaviness. And, and the, last, the last verse of chapter 2 kind of, kind of shows that, that this wasn't a long-term, this wasn't a short-term thing. Uh, the last verse of chapter 2 says, She stayed with Boaz's young women, gleaning until the completion of the barley and wheat harvest. She had, and she lived with her mother-in-law. These two had gone in together, feeling this weight, and understanding that they were going to have to live this way for a while and settle in. And I try to step into the, the place where Naomi found herself. Here's this widowed daughter-in-law of hers who had chosen to put her fate in with Naomi, who had, who had traveled and journeyed from, from Moab, the place where she was from, the place Ruth was from, with Naomi back to Israel and back to her people, And I can see and sense in Naomi's statement that she's like, something has to change. I have to provide for this daughter-in-law of mine who has no means. Have you been to that point of exhaustion? Have you, have you made it to that point where you say, something has to change. I have to figure out a way to provide. Have you seen that point of exhaustion in the eyes of a mother or a father? Have you seen that look of desperation? Maybe even in the mirror. <laughs> I don't know if this was just happened in, in your, your family or maybe just happened in mine. I don't know. But does anybody remember the, the Sunday, uh, you know, get yourself looking all cleaned up routines that we used to have growing up? Okay, you're chuckling. That's good. Um, I, I appreciate coming to a church where we can, we can come and be casual and, and, and walk in as we are. And I think that that's a beautiful picture of who God invites us to be in his presence, that, that God doesn't require us. But I remember growing up. I remember growing up um, and uh, feeling like we... Uh, <laughs> I, I desperately remember the mom approved outfits and the mom not approved outfits okay they, 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 they were different and distinct and ne'er the twain shall meet right um, and, and it, it, it led to a whole thing right you go downstairs and it's not mom approved and so you, you go and you try again and you finally find one that is mom approved and then you're a little late and then you're poking your siblings in the back seats and then from the front seats, there's a little raised voice and some yelling that says, we're going to get to church on time and we're going to behave and you're going to love it and you're going to be nice. You'll be happy about it. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. I don't know. And I see 
I see in Naomi some of this. Naomi uses her, uh, instructs Ruth to kind of clean herself up, <laughs> kind of put on her Sunday best. Uh, let's use some overt means to, to attract attention from Boaz. Clearly, Boaz had already had uh, interactions with Ruth and, and, and noticed Ruth. And, and there's some of that in the text. Um, and really, this is some of the hardest parts of this story for me. Uh, of the whole story of Ruth, God, God barely shows up. We talked about how God is mentioned as a blessing. May, may the Lord bless you is, is mentioned several times throughout. But, but God really doesn't show up until chapter 4 in this whole narrative. Um, and certainly not this part in my mind. <laughs> Were Naomi's instructions to Ruth. Go get yourself cleaned up. Put on some perfume. Wear a nice dress. Were they inspired? Were they ordained? Were they improper? I don't know. They were certainly bold. This is certainly a bold move by Naomi telling Ruth to do this. The system that she found herself and Ruth in where, where they had no men in their family, no means of providing for their family. They had been relegated to gleaning from the edges of the harvest. And Naomi really has a, an act of desperation in trying to find provision for Ruth. Likely after months of, of being in this system, of going and gleaning from the edges of the field, living paycheck to paycheck, barely getting by, and saying, my child deserves better than this. And she makes this bold instruction for her daughter-in-law. I think, I think, that maybe God wasn't in this part of the story. Now, some of you are going to email about me, and that's fine. My email's on the bulletin. Um, but if you read through the section that, that we skipped, we know that, that it worked out, but this bold instruction that she gives to Ruth I really struggle with that this would be the, 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 the way that Naomi tries to provide for her daughter-in-law as you read through that section between 3.6 and 4.13 um, <laughs> and I know you guys read well, like while I'm preaching I know some of you read through the rest of the story and I like that you know if, if you're not going to listen to me you can read to the Bible that's, that's cool <laughs> That's fantastic. But I just don't see God working in that way. I just don't see God in that, in that element of, of the advice that, that Naomi had given, the instruction that Naomi had given. And yet Ruth had said, I will follow you. I will go where you go. I will stay where you stay. But in that section you, you read, there, there's an element of, of seduction implicit in that text, uncovering his feet sleeping there at night. Uh, she, she makes a request to cover, cover her with his garment. And then they wake up early so that no one would know. And you just start to think, hmm. I'm not sure that was, <laughs> that was the best move. 
And if you follow the story, you discover that Boaz is an honest and, and, and integrity-filled man. He says there's another man who, who has a closer family relationship to, to Naomi and someone else who has the first right as the redeemer of this family. And so he goes to the city gate to talk about this. Now again, here I, I struggle with this story, the relegation of, of women to kind of owned property back in that context is really tough for me to talk about. It's the lectionary's fault. It led me here. I'm sorry. Um, and yet, Boaz goes to him, goes to this other person who had a stake, had a claim to redeem this family first. And then offers the land in conjunction with Naomi and Ruth. And the man refuses and say, says, this isn't, this is not something I'm, I'm interested paving in, paving the way for Boaz to marry Ruth, and it's in that marriage, it's in that marriage, and, and because they had gone through the steps, because they had taken the steps necessary to get to the point where they could now become husband and wife, that we find the provision of God in this story. God shows up. God shows up here in chapter four, this widow from Israel and this widow from Moab, this, this, this foreigner, this immigrant who had come are finally provided for. And throughout this whole book where God is barely there and God's activity is not shown and God shows up. And brings change for this family. Brings change for this woman. Enabling of a pregnancy. There's one verse that mentions God's activity. In the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 4. Verse 13. The Lord let her become pregnant. And she gave birth to a son. And the whole town reacts, the women react, the people who knew most intimately her pain and her suffering and the bur burden that she bore celebrate with her. Say, may the Lord be blessed who today hasn't left you without means, without a redeemer. May his name be proclaimed in Israel. The provision of God came through for Naomi and for Ruth. And through this meandering story, a story fraught with pain and grief, of death, of loss, God showed up. God showed up. And I think God's provision sometimes starts with our own misguided attempts. <laughs> Have you experienced that in your life? The provision of God finally coming through. We try, we struggle, we do our best. We try to listen to God. We stumble, we fall, we have failures. When we try, maybe we, we screw up a bit, maybe we botch it, blow it all to pieces, mess it all up. God is still at work, amen? Boaz and Ruth become the grandfather to David. Grandfather and grandmother to David. It took a long time. It took a long time to realize what God did through this couple 
and brought about. But God was in work. And the provision of God, even through our attempts and even through the ways in which we struggle and try to bring about good things, God is there. I think there's no greater celebration of the provision of God than coming to the Eucharistic table and coming to the place of of remembrance of what God has done for us in in his sacrifice on the cross. I'm going to ask those who are prepared to help serve if they would come forward and be prepared to serve. In communion, we remember and, and, and celebrate the provision of Christ laying down his life for us. We participate in it and we proclaim it again until, or we proclaim it until he comes again. For even then, it seemed like God was absent. For even then, in that moment where, where Christ gave up his life on the cross, it felt like God was gone that the influence of the divine had withered away to the shadows, but God provided for us upon that cross. In our brokenness and in our weakness, in our frailness, God stepped out and provided for us on that cross. Um, In the Church of Nazarene, we practice what's called open communion. Um, and basically what that means is if you have a relationship with Christ, if you are walking with Christ, you are invited to, to share in communion with us. Um, and that may be a long journey for you. That may be uh, one that you have known for a long time and followed with Christ for a long time. Or maybe today. You say, Trent, I, I, I've tried my own way a, a lot and I, I, I do my best, um, but today I want to try God's way. I want to follow God's direction. Today you're welcome to receive the elements of communion, the bread which represents the body of Christ, and the juice represents his blood. Um, today, as you come to uh, each pair of servers, there'll be uh, one person holding a plate of, of bread. Um, and if you approach that person and hold out your hands, a, a piece of that bread will be placed in your hands representing the body of Christ. Um, there'll be another person who's holding a cup of juice, and you can take that bread and dip it in that juice. Um, that person will also be holding a bowl of prepackaged um, communion elements. Um, we live in a time where we're worried about... Um, exposure, um, and if you're still feeling um, nervous or, or choose to, to participate in that way, you can approach that person and just take those elements. Um, if you dip the juice, go ahead and partake at that time. If you take the prepackaged elements, just take those back to your seat um, and uh, partake of the elements there. The bread that we use is gluten-free for those who have gluten sensitivities as well. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed where he gathered with his disciples in an upper room. And they were celebrating the Passover meal. And it was during that meal that Jesus made a few changes to what had been an established ceremony in the middle of the, 
of the meal. He took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. Remember my provision. Remember what I have done for you in these moments. As they took that bread, as they received that bread, they didn't know what Christ was going to do. They didn't understand the symbolism of the broken body of Christ. For that would happen in the hours that followed. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup, gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, take and drink. This is uh, my blood, which is poured out for you in the cup of the new covenant. As often as you drink this, do so and remember me. It's in that... uh, in that provision that God invites us to the table. Um, As we sing this final song, I'm going to invite you to come to one of the three stations that we have. We'll have one on each side of here, uh, of the sanctuary here, and one in the back. Um, The table is set. The invitation is given. Come and dine. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, We are reminded today of your provision. We are reminded today that it was not lost on you. We weren't hidden from your sight. In those moments where we were just barely hanging on, when we had no provision, when we were at the end of our rope, when we saw no light at the end of the tunnel. God, you walked with us and were with us each step of the way. And in our attempts and in our our blunders and in our, our efforts, you were working and you followed after us. grace is there for us speaking to us and moving in us and through us God thank you for your faithfulness to our lives and as we celebrate today the broken body and spilled blood of our Lord Jesus Christ we understand the unique and profound provision that you provided that we can be your children sons and daughters today Lord because of the sacrifice that Christ made be with us help us live into that reality each day help us to know what it means to be the people of God in this world in which we live to to see our stories in the light of your grace and your redemption and your provision for our lives help us live that way this week I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As we close, I'd just like to offer a benediction. As I do, I invite you to stand, to hold out your hands as a physical reminder that this is a benediction that we receive today. God, would you remind us today of your enduring presence in our lives? Your provision comes even when we make a mess of things. Your consistent work on our behalf. And today, may we worship you in faith and trust of that reality, I pray.
Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.